Well, God has a uh, gentle sense of humor, uh, and I'll explain. Um, <clears throat> today, we're continuing our series called Playbook, and what we're doing is we're looking at eight plays that Jesus gave us. These are called Beatitudes, and they're eight critical ways that if we will embrace these, they will help us form our lives to be like Jesus. And as uh, maybe irony would have it, or God's gentle humor, today uh, I'm going to talk about the fifth play, the fifth beatitude, which is about mercy. And that's been a bit challenging for me this week because of the events in Ukraine. Um, how do I have mercy for Vladimir Putin? How do I muster up mercy for Russian soldiers, for the Russian oligarchs? For those of you who don't know, I, my family and I, we lived in Ukraine for five years. We went there when it was the Soviet Union. We got to watch Ukraine declare its independence. We were there when the Soviet Union broke up. We have invested all of these years in incredible relationships with some amazing people. I got to be a part of seeing churches planted. We got to create what's called Tavriski Christian Institute that's now not only training Ukrainians but is working in places all over Central Asia. I won't mention the countries because the believers there are being persecuted. An incredible thing. And I've been talking about what's been going on in my Facebook post. You can follow those and I'll put out a blog this week. But I want you to know I am incredibly humbled incredibly humbled by some believers in the city that we used to live in, Kherson. I want to tell you a couple of those stories. Pavel. Pavel came to faith when he was an officer in the KGB. He ended up being the first president of the institute I just mentioned. Pavel's this incredible man, and, and I just got word that he discovered that uh, in the midst of this war, and of course what's happening is many people are fleeing, is that he discovered that there were 40 babies that were abandoned. And he went and he arranged to get them gathered and they brought them to the church basement and he got the women in the church who are caring for him 24-7. And then there's Sergei. Sergei is uh, a little bit older than I am. He's, when I, he was one of the first Ukrainians I met. He he was a faithful believer through the years of communism and has started a church. And, and his basement of his church has now 350 people there as they're caring for them, feeding them. It's become, in a sense, a bomb shelter uh, in their community. And then there's Zhenya. Zhenya came to faith in prison in Ukraine. Uh, some of the believers went to, to the prisons and would share with them the gospel, and God got a hold of his heart. It turned his life around. He was a part of the institute that we, uh, we created. He was trained. He, he started a church in, in a village uh, just south of Kherson, not far from the Crimean Peninsula. And because it's so close to the Crimean Peninsula during the, when, when Russia annexed Crimea in 2014, he became a chaplain in the army. 
And I've watched videos just two days ago of, of, of Genia standing out in the streets and, and he's sharing the gospel with people. And I just got a text before I walked on the stage that he went and, and, a, and a man that was running an orphanage fled to, to the western Ukraine for safety and left seven orphans there by himself. He's brought them into his home. In the midst of all that, Zhenya has been told by others that he is already on the list of the Russian security forces that when they come in, they will target him. And he says, I'm not afraid. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. <clears throat> My heart's broken. I'm just going to try to do this without crying today. It's a useless war. I feel so helpless, but I'm not hopeless. There's a difference. What can we do? We can pray. We have to pray. And that's what I want to do right now. Let's pray. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on the people of Ukraine, the 40 million people who have only wanted peace and independence and freedom. God, I, I, I pray for the world leaders. I pray, God, that you would help the leaders of our world to be wise and bold to do the right thing to maintain peace. God, we're asking for world peace. God, I'm asking that you would prevent any other rogue actors in our world of capitalizing on this time of chaos and disruption to create even more issues within the world. God, God, I pray for the believers in Ukraine. God, use them to be Jesus wherever they are. By their words and by their actions, God, may they proclaim the good news of Jesus. Use them to make a difference. Use them to serve and to love in ways that is beyond human understanding, that they would be, that, that through their lives, others would be drawn to you. God, I pray for a miracle. I pray for a miracle that Vladimir Putin would, 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 would come to faith, that he would repent, that he would change his heart. God, you can do that. We saw you do that with the Apostle Paul. God, we pray for that miracle. God, I pray for the miracle that the Russian and Belarusian people will rise up in protest and that there would be such a massive uprising that both governments would have to capitulate to their people. I pray for, for the Russian soldiers that they would see the truth of what's happening and that they would refuse to fight. God, we're asking for a miracle to stop the conflict and restore peace. God, we pray for peace. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on the Ukrainian people. Have mercy we are so desperate for you and your presence right now. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. A number of folks have asked uh, if there's any way that they can financially help Ukrainians. And uh, yes, we've, we've set up a way for you to give, but before I even talk about that, I need to be really clear. I, I, I've been here at Pantano for 23 years, and for 23 years, it, it's been core to my heart that, we, that our church always has financial integrity. And the reality is in this situation that the needs in Ukraine are incredible. I, I, I can identify with you right now five churches in the city of Kherson that are caring for people and they could use financial help. The challenge is, is that this is in absolute chaos right now. Communication is incredibly difficult. Uh, people that I know and work with, some of them are in evacuation, and, and I don't even know where they are right now. And then the whole banking system is being disrupted. So what I'm saying is, is that we need to help, but I don't know exactly when and how we're going to be able to help. But if you want to give, you can text uh, uh, GIVE to 46356. We're going to create a fund there. Uh, when you go to that page, there will be a Ukraine fund. And, uh, and as soon as possible, we're going to get those funds to, uh, first and foremost, our priorities to the people on the ground who are serving Ukrainians, uh, and, and then also the refugees. Uh, the UN estimates that there could be as many as 4 million uh, Ukrainian refugees. That's 10% of the population of Ukraine. And, and so we'll, we'll, we'll find different ways. I'm already having contacts with people that are actually going to the front lines right now. And so we'll find the best ways we can uh, to, to, to do that. All right, so let's talk about mercy. As I mentioned, Jesus gives us eight plays in his playbook, the Beatitudes. And, and those are all designed to help us become more like Jesus. And that fifth play is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Jesus said this, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, I want you to notice when Jesus said that, he didn't just say that you're to do acts of mercy. He said, blessed are the merciful. That means that we are to be merciful because it's out of a heart of mercy that come the acts of mercy. We have to be merciful before we can act in ways that are merciful. As you watch the Ukrainians on TV and as you watch Russian soldiers, who do you see? What do you see? I just yesterday read posts. People were, Ukrainians were commenting on a video, a graphic video that showed uh, Ukrainian civilians killed. And they, all of the comments were in Russian and Ukrainian, and I'm able to read that. I, I, I speak uh, Russian and read Russian fairly well, and I, I can't even publicly say what those comments were because. Uh, I also know what cuss words are in Russian. <laughs> how, 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 how is it possible to be merciful when you see murder and atrocities? How can we be merciful in a world that's so messed up? 
And it's not just about people half the way around the world. It's about folks in your world. Look around your own life. Who do you see? You know, I, I love to watch people. And, and I think one of the places it started was we used to live in uh, California, not very far from Disneyland. And, uh, and when you live close to Disneyland and anybody comes and visits you, they always want to go to visit Disneyland. And so it didn't take me very many years to get kind of actually tired of Disneyland, if, that, if, you, if you can believe that's possible. Um, and so what I l- learned to do was that instead of riding the rides with everybody, because I'd done that and done that and done that, was I just enjoyed watching people. And it was fun to watch kids and adults who are just having a ball and the joy was just pouring them out, out of them. But, but you know, people watching uh, can easily turn into judgment. It was, it's easy to judge on appearances. I, I would watch a mom who became inc- incredibly controlling because her, her child was ruining her experience or a father who was angry with his preschool child, or somebody who was obviously high and obnoxious, or people who had cut in the lines. You know, it's uh, people watching can be fun, but it can also be toxic. What do you see? How do you see people who are just struggling? How do you view people who just offend you and tick you off and try your patience? How do you see people who are bitter and that negativity just pours out to everyone around them? How, how do you view people who messed up so badly and, then, and the negative consequences of their behaviors have just affected the, the people that were important in their lives? How do you respond to all of these folks who are just struggling and messed up. Our natural tendency is to judge people. And and then just to, to write them off and to move on. We struggle. Most of us struggle. We don't have enough mercy. Sometimes we don't have any mercy at all. Jesus watched people. You know why? Because there were always crowds going around. When you read through the Gospels, which tell the story of Jesus, you'll see it over and over, that there were large crowds would gather around Jesus. And when those large crowds gathered around Jesus, what do you think he saw? Well, he saw lots of sin. He, he saw people who were messed up. He saw people who were far from God. He saw some people that were outright evil. Always amongst those crowds, there were these, these religious types who were, who were mean-spirited and judgmental. He saw them. He, he saw those in the crowd who were, had been victimized over and over and over again. And what he saw was that everyone in that crowd was a mess. And you know how I know that? Because everyone in this crowd's a mess. We're all a mess. What did Jesus see? I want you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. This is what Jesus saw. When Jesus saw the crowds, 
he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion. Now, compassion in the original language that, that our Bible was written in is an interesting word. Here's the word. It's, the word for compassion is splachnizomai. Uh, splach, oh, first time I messed it up. Splachnizomai. It's a cool word, splachnizomai. And, and here's, repeat it with me just for fun so you can speak a little Greek. Splachnizomai. There you go. Now, the word splachnizomai literally means your inner organs, your bowels. It's a, it's a biological term. But it's also a term, a word that's used for deep, intense motion. In other words, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he was struck in the gut. It was, the emotion was so deep and powerful, it could, it could bend him over. That's how powerful the emotion was for Jesus. He felt compassion. He had mercy on the people he saw. And what did Jesus see in the crowd? Yes, he saw lots of sin. But he also saw their struggle and their pain and their trauma. He had compassion because this crowd was like sheep without a shepherd, and they were harassed and helpless. That's what the text says. They were harassed and helpless. Now, those two words uh, uh, translated into English are from from also Greek words that refer to animals. And, And the word harass means this. Harass describes an animal who's being attacked and its skin is being ripped off. How many times have we experienced life being ripped into pieces? And it says they were helpless. And the word helpless in the original language refers to an animal that's alone and vulnerable and will likely by the predator be thrown to the ground. And how many times have we felt alone and vulnerable and and defeated even? Jesus used these metaphors of sheep for us human beings, you and me. Like sheep were unprotected in the wild. Wolves and predators will attack and and rip our lives up and throw us to the ground. What Jesus is describing is this is what life is in an evil world. This is what my Ukrainian friends are going through right now. But this is what we all go through in different ways. And if you live long enough, you're going to experience life as as being harassed and helpless. How does Jesus see you and me? He sees us that we're harassed and we're helpless. We're like sheep without a shepherd. That we, we face a powerful enemy. That enemy is the devil. And, and, and I love how Peter warns us about this. In fact, look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 8. Peter warns us about this very thing. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. That's the world we live in. There's an evil one who wants to rip up our lives and throw us down. And Jesus has this profound empathy for us, for our situation, for our condition. 
So let me go back to my questions I asked before. Who do you see? What do you see? Do you get stuck on seeing people's actions and attitudes and then let judgment take over? Jesus goes deeper. He looks at the heart. And to be merciful, we have to be like Jesus. We have to see people as Jesus saw people. We've got to look at the underlying spiritual sickness and brokenness that's a part of every human being. We've got to see that people are like sheep without the shepherd Jesus. They're harassed and helpless. They're without hope. They live in fear. We've got to see that that people have experienced trauma in their life, and they're not aware of how that trauma continues to upset life and take its toll. We've got to understand that people have been hurt, and hurting people hurt people. I've thought about this this week. How does Jesus see people? Vladimir Putin. I I think he's angry. But I also think Jesus is filled with compassion. You see, I know from the scripture that Jesus doesn't want any person to face hell. And that includes Putin. Putin. My heart was changed this week because God in his gentle humor made me do a message on mercy to change from anger to mercy. And that's why I prayed earlier and that's why I continue to pray that that Putin repents, that his heart is changed. But it's not just Putin. We all need mercy. Maybe we've not affected as many people as he has, but we're all messed up. We're all sinners. We all need mercy. I want us to look at a story that's found in Luke chapter 18. It starts in verse 35. Luke chapter 18, verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging When he heard a crowd going by, he asked, what's happening? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, what did this blind man need? The obvious answer is he needed to see. What he was there for was he was begging for money. He needed money. But notice the first thing he asked for. What was it? Mercy. Have mercy on me, Jesus, son of David. He was in desperate need of the mercy of God. And folks, you and I are no different. We're beggars in need of the mercy of God. Now, in this story, I love this part. It said that some who led the way, some of his disciples were leading the way. That was like Jesus' security team. 
And they made sure that, you know, people didn't interfere with Jesus, you know. By the way, we have got a great security team here. Thank you all for doing that. But guess what? You're in a long line, you know. This has been going on for 2,000 years, okay? And when they heard this guy, the beggar, they thought they just assumed, they made a judgment that he, all he wanted was money, and they told him to be quiet, shut up. But that just caused him to shout all the more, have mercy on me. Now, why is this story in the Bible? Well, one, I absolutely believe it's there because we need to know that Jesus can, can bring sight to the blind, that he can do miraculous things. But I also think it's in our Bible because we're all blind in some way. We all need the mercy of God in order to see. We need to be able to see how broken and damaged we are and how much pride and sin has has messed up our life and how incredible the need is for the mercy of God that we've messed up royally. We are all beggars in need of mercy. And the words of that blind beggar shouldn't be any different than our words. Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus is full of compassion and mercy. In what way? What way do you need mercy right now? What's going on in your life that, that brings you to that place where you go, I need help. I need the mercy of Jesus. What's going on in your life that if, if somehow you were able to, to see Jesus face to face, but when that moment would happen, when you would meet Jesus, you would be so aware of, of, of this garbage that's in your life that you would just naturally cry out, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. The fifth play of Jesus. Blessed are the merciful. I believe that we only get to that place of being blessed because we understand what mercy is about. We've experienced it. We live it. You and I are in desperate need of mercy. And until we start there, we'll never receive the mercy of Jesus. And until we receive the mercy of Jesus, we'll never be transformed to be merciful. And then we'll never get to that place where we can give mercy. It all starts by receiving the mercy of Jesus. But I think we struggle to to grasp and to receive that mercy. And that's why we have a hard time giving mercy. Here's the deal. You can't give mercy until you've received mercy. You can't give grace until you've gotten grace. You can't forgive until you've really experienced how forgiven you are. And the same is true with this, that, that we can only be merciful to the extent that we've experienced merciful. We are not merciful because we've not experienced the mercy of God. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. That's who we are. That's who we're to be. And so how do we become merciful? How do we become that in our heart? 
How does that become a real part of who we are? And it's only as we experience that mercy that it transforms our heart, that it softens our heart. And in fact, if you sense you've got a hard heart, it's because you haven't received the mercy of Jesus. That's where it starts. In fact, until our heart is transformed by mercy, we'll never be able to give mercy away. It's impossible. Now, what does mercy look like? How does mercy act? Mercy begins with that compassionate heart, but it always moves to action. It it sees people who have a need. It sees somebody who has a hurt. It sees somebody who's experiencing an injustice, and then it does whatever it can to alleviate that, that that hurt, that need, that pain, that, that injustice. Mercy is is responding to somebody in a way that, that they really need help, even if they don't deserve it. That's where mercy steps in. Mercy forgives. Mercy stands up and protects the vulnerable. It's compassion for folks in need, finding any way to alleviate the suffering that they're going through. Mercy is entering into the pain, the struggle, the hardship with others. Mercy steps into the messes. It's like my friend Andre, who was once a student of mine, who now lives in, in Kiev. And, and, and here he is, he's taking his car, and it's incredibly difficult to find gas, but he's taking women and children out of Kiev to safety and then coming back and getting more. It's doing whatever we can. It's an expression of mercy to say, how can I help you in your time of need? Years ago, I was dean of students at a Christian college. And uh, it, was a, it was a long time ago, but I, I'll remember this vividly. A married male student had sexual intercourse with a single female student. And in those days, I don't know what the rules are now, but in those days, that, that would result in uh, suspension from school. So I went and talked to the male student first, and he was obstinate, unrepentant, frankly ugly. And the conversation was fairly short. I just simply suspended him. And then I went and talked to the single female girl. Her name was Brenda. She told me what had happened, and it was pretty clear to me that she had been... uh, been abused in the process, and I was struggling. And then, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit that just prompted me to ask this question. I said, Brenda, the rules require me that, that I suspend you, and if you go home, what will happen? She said, my father will beat me mercilessly. I said, that, we can't let that happen. Uh, because of Title IX and some other things, I said, I, I have to treat you the same way I treated the other student, and so I, I'm going to have to suspend you for the rest of the semester, which was a couple months. But I said, I want you to come and live with my wife and I. You'll be safe in our home. And then when the next semester starts, you'll be able to re-enroll. She did that. She became a part of our family, and then she was able to uh, re-enroll in, in the next semester, and she finished her studies and graduated and, 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 to the best of my knowledge, is doing well. 
That's what mercy is. Who needs mercy? How will we show mercy? Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. For they will be shown mercy. Now, every beatitude has a promise or a reward. And just a casual reading of that, of what Jesus said is, is that blessed are the merciful. If we do mercy, then we're going to get mercy, we assume, from God. And, and, and we can easily go to this place that, that if we do give enough mercy, we'll earn mercy, that we'll earn God's mercy, we'll earn God's favor. But we know that can't be right because that would contradict the rest of the New Testament. We don't earn God's mercy. We can never be merciful enough to get the mercy that we need from God. So what did Jesus mean? What was he talking about? What was he referring to here? And I believe that Jesus was going this direction. Mercy grows mercy. Let me me unpack that a little bit. I think this is the crazy way God's spiritual world works. When we give mercy to others, I believe that actually opens our heart even more to God's mercy. And the more we experience God's mercy, the more it changes our heart and we're able to give mercy. And the more mercy that we give, the more other people receive that mercy. It changes their heart. They're able to give more mercy. And and what happens is mercy given continues to grow mercy. Those who are merciful are going to experience more mercy. And that's an incredible cycle. It's a cycle that never ends. We are blessed. We are blessed. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. And mercy is a big deal to Jesus. It's a huge thing for him. Once the religious leaders were attacking him because he was hanging out with the wrong people, people that they had already written off as lowlifes. And think about that. Jesus is hanging out with these folks, and remember the question that I asked earlier, who do you see? What do you see? The religious leaders, all they saw was the sin. They didn't see the people trapped in sin. And so Jesus responds to those religious leaders in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Jesus said this, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've come not to call righteous, but sinners. See, the the religious leaders were proud of their sacrifice. They had sacrificed so much to be good. They, they, They had worked hard to earn God's favor. And they were proud of that. Jesus is saying, no, you got it all wrong. This isn't about you being good. This is about you being merciful. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. We've got to get this. Mercy is a big deal to Jesus. I want you to hear one thing that Jesus said. This is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 36. He said, and this is so clear, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. It's a command. It's direct. It's simple. We are to be merciful in the same way God has been merciful to us. 
And so I want you to sit with this for just a moment. Sit with this thought. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Is that you? How do you experience that and how do you express that? Who do you know that needs mercy? Is your heart merciful toward others? Let me go back to the questions again. What do you see? Who do you see? Do you see folks around you who need mercy? Will you let the mercy of Jesus fill your heart so that mercy can flow out of you towards others? Let's pray. Lord, have mercy. Father, we confess to you that we are in such need of your mercy. Our our pride and our sin is so strong within us. It's ever-present. We have disobeyed you. At times we've ignored you. At times we've not valued you enough. We've not truly allowed you to be Lord of our life. We need your mercy. We need your mercy. And and then, Holy Spirit, help us to truly experience the mercy that you freely offer. May it fill our hearts. May it transform our hearts. May May it transform us to be more like Jesus who is merciful. Help us to see others the way Jesus sees others, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Create in us the compassion that Jesus had for the people that he saw. Help us to respond like Jesus. Lord, have mercy on our soul. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.